So here we again with uh, our answers to your questions. I hope the answers are helping you, I guess, from all the letters I have received. The answers are helping you. But keep sending them. Keep sending your questions. And uh, we we are so thrilled that's helping so many people to come out, to be set free. And uh, no, it's it's our privilege to honor and honor to serve God and His people. And uh, if just a question asked by one person can be a blessing to so many people, please keep sending your questions. And uh, the lockdown is going to continue probably till at least May 21st or more. So we. We can't go anywhere. Hyderabad, like we said, is one of those. And our area is one of the red zones. So we are stuck. So this evening as we start our question and answer session, we'll first go to the Lord in prayer. And I'll ask Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this evening once again, Father. Come to your throne of grace. Father, we seek for your mercy, Lord, and we seek for your grace, and we seek for your wisdom, and we seek for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will anoint us, Lord, all of us, Pastor, even as he, Father, leads us, Lord, and I pray, Father, that all of us will be tuned in. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, for all of them who have real, real, genuine questions. Ask them, O Lord, and I pray, Father, even the question that we answer this evening, I pray, Lord, that you would be able to take it, and Lord, that you would make it relevant to everyone who might be going through a similar situation of a similar kind of Lord. Come into every one of us into your hands, O Lord. Grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray, Father, that Lord, even as we, Father, discuss and, and, and speak, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, you would anoint, anoint, anoint the words, Lord. Lord, you would touch every one of them, O Lord Jesus, who is listening this evening, and even in the days to come, O Lord. Come in this time into your hands. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so, um, once again, uh, this morning there will be questions related to life. Uh, we have an updated question. Yes, I have an updated question. Okay, yeah. So the first question related to life. Uh, it's question number uh, two, Pastor. We'll start with that. Two? Yes. How should we worship and pray in spirit and in truth? That's a... Uh how should we worship and pray in spirit and truth? By the way, that's a process. Nobody reaches there in one day. Nobody reaches there in one day. All of our life, we will be growing in it. Because they go together. <coughs> one is... Pastor Vijay's volume, okay. One is got to do with truth, which is God's word. Yeah, God's word. You will see in John seventeen seventeen, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So one has got to do with the word. As we start 
growing in the word. It is not the knowledge of the word of God. It is replacing our thought pattern with God's thinking pattern. Then only we have grown in the truth. Otherwise, we haven't grown in the truth. We can still memorize all scripture and uh, and uh, think the old way. So we haven't actually grown in truth. So truth, if, you, if I first I look at the word truth there, if I have to worship in the truth, then I have to grow in the truth. I have to start thinking, my thinking. That's what Corinthians 10 will talk about. This battle is in the mind, bringing every thought, every imagination to the captivity of Christ Jesus. And this is a continuous process. And the Holy Spirit helps us in that. That is where the Word of God becomes life for us. That is how Jesus, because uh, like the book of Proverbs say, like the book of Proverbs say, uh, as a man thinketh, so is he. Okay. How was Jesus? Jesus was the way he thought. And how did he think? He thought according to the word of God. Okay. That's, that was the way he thought. And uh, he was the only one who walked on earth who actually sh- showed us how to think like the word. The mm-hmm. Pharisees interpreted it all wrongly. But he showed us what was the letter of the law and what was the spirit of the law. And the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the word, helps us to replace our thinking part pattern so that we start thinking like that. That is when you start praying and worshipping in the truth. The spirit has two applications there. One is the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on the word. We don't understand the truth. The word Holy Spirit does not help us. We are not able to make it part of our life. That is the part of the Holy Spirit where continually we are reliant on the Holy Spirit. The other side is our spirit. Mm. We have to see our spirit is always clear, very clear. You know, God. Remember, God looks at the intents and the thoughts. Even the dividing between the soul and the spirit, you know. So to worship in the spirit also intends that our, our, the attitude of our spirit is always kind, loving, compassionate, humble. Because there's a question, I think all those questions are from the same person. Yes. And, you know, so the spirit matters. The spirit matters. And remember this discussion is primarily with Jesus has with the Samaritan woman, a simple lady. And we would never have a discussion like that with a person. But worship is for everybody. Whether it is Nicodemus or whether it is Samaritan woman, worship is for everybody. And God says, this is the only way you can worship me. You have to worship me in truth. And you have to worship me in spirit. And the question is, uh, pray. We have to pray also in the truth. That is the first thing Jesus says. Teach us to pray. He says, thy name, thy kingdom, Thy will. But usually, like if you look at an average Christian, all of us were, one point of time, maybe still are, our prayers was not connected with either glorifying his name or about his kingdom or about his will. It was about our name and our kingdom and our will. So our prayer was not in truth. Our prayer. And sometimes our prayers were totally contrary to the truth. It did not even agree with the word of God. Yes. No, it has to agree with the word of God. Like right now, Jesus, you will see only one time in his life he prays and he knows he does not agree with the will of God. So he says at the end of it three times, not my will, but, but, you but your will be done. You know, so it has all that is part of praying, worshipping in spirit 
and in truth. And we'll grow in it. Yes, the sir. more our mind thinking changes, the more the Holy Spirit has access into our soul. Please understand that. That's what it means, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. As we are, our mind, our soul, our emotions, everything is being renewed. Okay, our mind is changing. It's being renewed with the Word of God. Our emotions are changing. We are allowing God and His Holy Spirit to cleanse and sanctify our emotions. Mm-hmm. Our emotions also have to be given access to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we may feel so much and our feelings may be absolutely false because the Holy Spirit is not there at all. And the Holy Spirit, like when Jesus says, Scripture says about Jesus, He set His face like a flint towards its, its, its zeal. When He goes into the temple and cleanses it, it is a lot of emotions are there, but those emotions are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you can have a, a right idea in your mind, but the emotions are empowered by the flesh. You know? So all this, and these are things we keep. So the Holy Spirit has to flood into the, Holy, uh, into the soul, soul part. And that's what Romans, uh, sorry, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, if I'm right, Paul will say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning he's talking about being continued. Do not be drunk with wine. But be filled, but it is used in the press, continuous, present continuous, meaning keep on getting filled. How do you keep on getting filled? Because you keep on emptying. If I don't empty, you cannot fill this. So we empty the soul of every idea that does not agree with the word of God, every feeling that does not agree with the spirit of God, and then he keeps filling us. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, Pastor, in this case, when you when he's talking about worship, uh, he's just we are just not uh, merely talking about the Sunday morning, that half an hour no. or whatever. We are not talking about it. It's basically an entire lifestyle. It's a, it's, it's it's a, a lifestyle. lifestyle, and the pinnacle of it is if it's a Sunday in India, if it's a Friday in the Middle East, or a Saturday, it's a Saturday in Nepal, different countries. Okay, so days we cannot have the Seventh Day Adventist kind of a law. It simply doesn't work. And God uh, is not talking about a particular day in the new covenant. You have to worship him. So since it is depending upon which country you are in, when you come, let's say Sunday, when you come together as an assembly, when you come together, that's a peak of it. But mm. it only happens if you've been, if your worship is your lifestyle. Mm. Okay, life's look, uh, like worship is your lifestyle. Actually, if I write my uh, etymology, if I am uh, right, this comes from an old English term where uh, when a lord or a lady, you went on your knees yes. and you kissed their hand. That is proskaneo. Yeah, okay, which mm. actually means you are worthy worship, of yes. this thing. Yes, exactly. That is from worship. Mm. Okay, that's from where you get worship. Exactly. Okay, you are of great worth um. and it's my privilege to be allowed to fellowship with you. The Psalm that's 2 will a, say, kiss the yes, sun. That, kiss means, the sun. Yeah, that is okay. essentially... That's either. where, so worship is our adoration mm. of this God. Mm. Amen. Yes. Okay, so, how should we humble ourselves in God's sight? Humble ourselves. Pastor Vijay, why don't you tackle oh. that? Okay. Otherwise, I will let you free every day. Mm. How should we humble ourselves in the, the sight of God's... Several ways, if you are younger in the Lord and uh, and you are younger also in terms of age, it says in First uh, Peter chapter 5, he says, all of you be clothed with humility. And how do we clothe with hum- humility? Uh, it says, you younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Now when you are saying submit yourselves to the elders, he's not 
it's it's misunderstood a lot uh, and there are several aspects to it actually uh, where uh, you are allowing yourself to come under somebody who's senior to you and who's mentoring you there this is very important okay and i'm i reiterate this over and over and over again because it's been my own personal journey and one of the things that i've seen in the last days especially among young people uh, in my contemporaries and even in the younger uh, uh, people i've seen that there is not very much respect for authority okay so uh, and and what the jesus himself it says in first peter chapter uh, sorry luke's gospel chapter 2 in the last two verses he says jesus went down to nazareth and he was submitted was sub, he submitted himself to his parents now think about it the creator of the universe who created his mother and father he comes under his mother and father and it says that jesus grew in wisdom and in stature finding yes finding favor with god is as luke's gospel chapter 2 verses 51 and 52 and jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with god and with man so when jesus himself the creator of the universe will submit himself to every authority that god has placed him under because he says he came under the law and he was born of the woman and he and he and he submitted himself to everything and even uh, during uh, a particular time when uh, uh, when this uh, half drachma tax uh, when people come and ask do your do you, does your master pay taxes and uh, peter says yes and jesus asked him this question what do you what do you think peter uh, should we pay taxes or not should kings live tax off taxes or should we pay taxes and uh, peter says we should live off taxes but jesus says that we should not give any opportunity to offend go to this place uh, and get this fish and you will have sufficient money to pay your tax and my tax so everything that uh, that that uh, that god has ordained every institution that god has ordained in our lives and especially when and if you are a part of a church and a good church and you have godly leadership one of the things that i would really really encourage young young people is that you submit yourself to their to your elders and in that when you submit yourself you will grow in grace because god says i resist the proud and i give grace to the humble it's been my own personal personal journey it is not easy for sure it is not easy but it is a choice that you make because you know that god that you need grace of god to overcome every situation in your life and that is the only way we can do it and and it says also in matthew chapter 18 if i'm right it says unless until you are converted like little children you cannot even enter into the kingdom of god yeah so uh it's it's a, again it's a lifestyle and it is continuously having that attitude you just cannot uh, you have to tackle pride every day because uh, and you have to make a choice of submitting yourself every day and maybe just pastor you can add on that yeah it's it's definitely a lifestyle for yeah uh how i would like to add to it is that uh humbling actually you know because that's the most uh, one of the most or if not the most attribute god expects from man because that's what he is god is humble jesus said learn of me i am meek and lowly there's humility or humbleness there is an attitude of the spirit mm. it's an attitude of the spirit there is an attitude of humility in the soul mm. in the attitude of the soul okay of the soul is <coughs> where you listen to another person we need to realize it's listening to another person everybody's issue is they don't want to listen to anybody else mm. listening to another person so when to young people when they are said ask them close them in 
uh, humility is a simple answer practically is please listen to those who have been placed above you. Yes. Your parents, your teachers, when you go out, the law enforcement, listen to what they say. You can listen to what they say. Because that is how you walk in humility, how you walk in, in, uh, grow in humility. The spiritual side is that when you listen to them, be very sure your attitude is right. You can listen and have a very nasty attitude. Okay, he says no. You listen like children, no? They may listen, but they will throw stuffs and throw a tantrum and all and still obey. But you have listened, but your attitude of the spirit was not humble. Okay, so that attitude is there and there is the listening part is there. But above all, humility in the long run is connected to your attitude of a spirit towards God and you obey God. So every time when it say humble thyself before God is that I exalt his word mm. about what I think, what I feel, what I want to do. Amen. That is humble. People may misunderstand you of being proud. proud. Exactly. You're having your own way. Yes. But they don't understand you're not having your way. You're allowing God to have your way. So yeah. Eliab, that is David's brother, will call him arrogant, proud. Well, God calls David humble because mm. in that extraordinary situation, he looks at it and he humbles himself and sees it through God's eyes and not through man's eye. Mm. And the humble are really strong. Yes. They are not weak. Yes. No, they're very, very strong, actually. They do, those who are truly humble before God, they're able to stand alone. Moses was the meekest, meekest man, man on earth, but he stood alone. Yes. Because he knew who was standing with God. He was standing with God. So meekness or humility in the kingdom of God is not a weak attribute. It's mm. a very strong attribute. If you are truly humble, God is with you. Amen. And if God is with you, then the Bible says, who can be against you? So you will see all these people who were really humble were usually alone in life. And God was with them. And they could stand alone. People might have misunderstood them like Moses, Elijah standing alone. Okay, he's humbly and he will see at the end of everything before fire comes, he says, I have done everything, O Lord, according to your word. word. And everything that he does makes no sense at all with human understanding. Nobody will understand what this guy, they'll think he's gone out of his mind. But to be obedient to that point, to that point, that means you are truly, truly humble. You have exalted God's instructions above everything and you are standing there alone and your life is at stake. If you go wrong, you are a dead man. But he humbles himself to that point. So please remember in the kingdom of God, humility is not weakness. It is strength under control. Amen. Actually, uh, uh, the place where uh, they said, Moses says, is Moses was the meekest man on earth. Um he says uh, in Numbers chapter 12, if I'm right, uh, he says, God says, if there's a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, I come and give him visions and dreams. But to my man, Moses, I, I can speak to him, speak to him face to face. That is how incredible that, that promise is and attitude is that you have a, uh, that you have a revelation from, you have that kind of a relationship with God. 
That is because God is only able to associate with himself with the humble. No, it's a very incredible attitude. No? And the more you have that relationship with God, the more humble you become. And you're actually not conscious about it. If you think about it, you're not even conscious about it. You're not like uh, trying to be humble. It just seamlessly happens. Happens to you. Happens to you. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You know? It comes. Yeah, it's Slowly not like you grow in it. Exactly. In all the things, attributes of God, you grow in it. Yes. You don't get it in one day. Because if you become humble in one day, the next day you'll be proud. <laughs> and the, the, the incredible thing about uh, about Moses also is that, you know, it says uh, Moses is the meekest man on earth. And who's, who writes that? <laughs> Moses, right. Moses himself writes it. I mean, that's remarkable, no? He's so, so unconscious. He's so seamlessly not even aware of it in that sense. As God says, write it, man. Right, you are the meekest man on earth and you write it. And you know, it's not going to make you proud. It's remarkable. That's, I think, ultimately where God is eventually should lead us to. And you have to really uh, love that and want that. Amen. Yes, Pastor. So we have yes. a, a very important question, Pastor, coming from... Uh, in uh, this is uh, related to Malachi chapter one, Pastor. Okay, Malachi chapter, chapter one. one. Yeah, it says uh, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Israel doubts God's love. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland, and left his inheritance to something. So, how do you explain this? Yeah. The sister who wrote this, uh, I think she has doubts about how, how does, uh, let's go from verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Okay? Now this is Israel asking. And Israel is asking this towards the end, end of, of their Old Testament history. Yes. Before Jesus comes, okay, 400 years before Jesus comes. So the question is, how have you loved you? And God takes them straight back to their beginning. Mm. And he says, do you remember your father Isaac and your mother Rebecca? And they had two kids. And they were twins. Not they were born at different times. They were twins. But in my sovereignty, I chose Jacob. I didn't choose Esau. So you're asking me, how have you loved us? I said, don't you realize that if the choice of Israel itself is the fact from the beginning I have loved you? Hmm. You're asking, how did I love you? What if it was written, Esau I have loved and Israel I have hated? Would it, would be there Israel today? Yeah. Or even then? No. no. There would have been either. There would have been either. There would have been no Israel. There would have been no Israel. So God is saying, you are only looking at your situation, which is because of your sin, mm. and mm. you are confusing that by saying, you are saying you loved us, but where have you loved us? He said, why don't you take a look at Edom? Look at their state. Go further. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. He says, Esau have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the mm. wilderness. Next I said, I'd, you were twins. Yeah, and even when he raised up, he says, even though Edom has said, Edom is the other name for Esau, Edomites, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build desolate places. Thus is the Lord God of hosts. They may build, but I will throw down. Mm. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Ever. So he's telling Israel. You're asking me this question. How have you loved us? I said, you both were twins. One I have upheld till today. 
The other one, whatever he have tried, I have pulled him down. Do you have any questions? You still have doubts that I love you? Love you? Do you still have any? No. And everybody, it's, it's a real question for all of us. Are we still standing? God is saying, why should he be standing? Why should he be standing? Like, let us talk about ourselves. We are all Indians. Meaning, some generation back, we were all Gentiles. Yes. We are all idolaters. Destined for destruction according to God's word. He says, what do you think? You are better than the others? <laughs> better than you? You were like the Esau and Jacob. No different. But I loved you. And I kept you there. And are you still looking at all this situation and asking this question, where have you loved us? I said, the very fact you are standing and you are saved is the fact that I have loved you. Absolutely. And Israel is still standing. There are no Edomites. Edom is gone into the dustbin of history. Gone forever. There's no Edomites left. Even if there are some Edomites, nobody knows who they are. There's no nation called Edom. There are no people called Edomites. They are gone. Yet they were twins. That's the answer to that. Hallelujah. Awesome. Okay, Pastor, we'll go back to... It says... Uh, question uh, number? Four. Four. Yes. Okay. If uh, Before that, we can... Yeah, if we can read question number four. If he sends the act of invisible spirit or evil spirit, how should we deal with it? Example, beating or hitting? Okay. Uh, I had a, quite a few... Uh, Oh. Few of this thing issues where you are being oppressed. You are being oppressed. One of the things you need to realize, you no, know, demonic attacks are real. They can push you down in your sleep. They can choke you. You can leave scratch marks all over you. They can beat you, all those stuff. But that also means they have access to you. They have access. It doesn't happen to us. We don't give them access. They have access to you. So one of the things is that you need to find out where is the access from. Repent of it. It could be forefathers because the, your sister who wrote from your name, I understand you are from a Hindu background. So if you are a believer and uh, your family are, are like let's say your parents are still Hindus, idolatry opens doors. God is absolutely, totally against idols because idols reduces an infinite, invisible God to that level. He hates idolatry. It's an open door. Okay, so you have to, I, I cannot uh, answer to you on this, this thing because the information is very little, but I will tell you, all children or people who come from non-believing backgrounds, and are still living in that kind of setups and communities, you need to be very more wary than others because you are in that atmosphere. So you have to be very, very careful in your walk with God daily. Your confession should be real, should apply the blood of Jesus, really believe and plead the blood of Jesus, and walk clear before God, have nothing to do with any of you. can can live in that same house because God is not asking you to get out or anything. But you need to be sure that spiritually you are not associated with any of those things. Mm. That will open doors. But again in the night when you go to sleep and all, plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. Remember, they overcame him by the blood, blood of the Lamb. That's your protection. That's your protection. And you have to speak it out. You have to speak it out. No Simple things. No, I would say simple practical things like for Young believers and all, it's very useful because, you no, know, we'll say where it is written in scripture. That's not the point. Just put your hand on your head, your own hand on your head and says, 
I plead the blood of Jesus over my body, my soul, my spirit. I belong to the Lord and the Lord belongs. Your word says, the Lord, the body for the Lord, the Lord for the body. And I would say, read Psalm 131. It's a very simple psalm. Believe it and say, I will not trouble my mind. I will rest in the Lord and I will have rest in my sleep. And God will be. Because usually they get attacked during, I had quite a few people writing about that. But this is, this is, see, you have to accept the demonic world is real. It is real and you get oppressed. So you will feel them beating you. They'll feel marks all over you. All kinds of things, crazy things happen. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. So you have to speak those things to your soul because Mm. speaking matters. Confession matters. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You have to speak God's word. There's power in God's word. You have to speak those things over you and I will say, do it. Use Psalms like Psalm 131, Psalm 91, Psalm 23, Psalm 121. Use these Psalms. If you're a young believer, print it out, stick it on your wall, read it out, speak it out until you start believing it. You have to say something many, many, many. Like no, like I said, the simple thing is that nobody, uh, like I know my nursery rhymes by heart mm. because I learned when I was small. Okay, I wasn't like I said I had no Christian background, like Christian home, but no background. So I didn't. I, I was unlucky that way and learned no hymns, no scripture, nothing. But nursery rhymes I still know. Multiplication tables I know. Mm. Which one is truth? The other is just a song. <laughs> okay, but when it comes to multiplication tables, no, you had to say it a few times, and then in experience you found it is really true. That yes. two plus two is four. Okay, it is four. In the same way, you repeat it a few times, and after some time, you will realize the psalms are true. It works. Amen. It works. This is the word of God. It works. Yes. Okay, and then it becomes life for you. So these are things which believers, new believers, older believers, everybody has to practice. The word of God has power. Scripture says the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. It is the word of God that defeated the enemy. Even when Jesus himself, the very son of God, when he was tempted by the devil himself, he could have used 101 different things to defeat the devil. He didn't. Why didn't he? Because he was showing us for our sake here saying, what I have, you also have access to. What do I have? I have the word of God. What do I have? 39 books of the Old Testament. Hmm. What do you have? 66 books of this. I will give you 27 more. Okay, but that's all that needed. And I will show you the power of God's word for those three attacks. I will quote from one book, the book of Deuteronomy. We will go to Psalms and all. He didn't say Deuteronomy. One book, the book of Deuteronomy, he quoted and the fellow fled. The word of God has power. When a demonic is there, remember, it's not your wisdom, your intelligence and all. It is the word of God that defeats. And God's people have to use the word of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, it, uh, I think it's the same person who's asking it. If we get a dream, how do we uh, analyze if that dream is from God or from an evil source? Okay. For first, please remember, uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 13 and 25, 13, 25, But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. So there is an enemy who sows when you sleep. Mm. Okay? Please understand this. 
There is a God who gives dreams. There is a God who gives dreams throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. He talks about dreams and visions when the Holy Spirit comes. But there is an enemy also who gives lots of dreams. So you have to know dreams can come from two sources primarily. Then if you go to Ecclesiastic chapter yes, 5 and saying. verse 3. 5-3. For a dream comes through much activity. Meaning, when you're worried about so, so many things, things, automatically the devil will use that worry to give you a dream. And because you worried the whole day about it, and in the night you see appropriate dream, you think God is speaking to you. Okay? God is speaking to you. And then immediately, now I'm telling you, it can, can happen to even young people. Whole day you're sitting and watching IPL. In the night you see a dream that you are there in the stadium and you wake up in the morning and God has spoken to me. I am called for a, to be a cricketer. No, it was a multitude of activity. He has called you for something else. You're just getting fooled. That's what it is talking about. Be very, very careful over there. For a dream comes through much activity. Mm. Much, much activity. Okay, much activity. Here is a young man called Joseph. What is he? A shepherd boy. With his father's other sons, his brothers, taking care of his father's flock. But the dream he sees has got nothing to do with sheep herding. It's got to do with farming. So he was not sitting there the whole day looking after sheep and then dreaming about sheep. He saw a dream which had nothing to do with his activity at all. Hmm. activity at all. Here is a Jacob running from his father's house, going to a place he has never before. He puts his head on a stone. What he sees is a ladder and angels descending up. It's got nothing to do with his activity. Okay, activity. So you will also discern is the dream connected with what my mind was overburdened, occupied, occupied, or it is completely different. That's one of the signs. Okay, one or not just one of the signs you have to realize. Okay, and also is the dream got anything to do with God and His kingdom? Because one of the things you always have to be very careful about, whether it is a prophecy, whether it is a dream or a vision, they are all kind of similar in one way. Yes. Because people look as a leading from the Lord. Be very sure you have no idols in your heart. The Bible is very clear. If you approach God with an idol in your heart, He will answer you according to that idol. Now He's not answering you. He's actually, it's judgment. Amen. It is judgment. And a lot of prophets who go around prophesying over people, they don't even realize they're prophesying. If it is genuine, it's just judgments over people. Judgments over people. So these are things we need to be very, very clear. That our heart is clear. Thy will, thy name, thy kingdom. Okay, that God can actually speak to you a dream. Because why should God speak to a dream to a man who says, my will, my name, my future, my career, give me a dream. God is not going to speak to that man. God is not. So God, Jacob had uh, the elder ones, if you look at it, he had 11 sons, 12 mm-hmm. sons. He spoke only to one. And you will always see that son was subject to his father's will. So God could speak to him. Yes. Okay. David was subject to his father's will. So God could speak to him. 
So these things are very, very important. God doesn't give a dream to a person who is not subject to him mm. or authority. He yes. does not. Yes. The devil will give you. The devil loves giving dreams to people who are not subject to anybody because he is like that. Yes. He's just like that. That's how you understand and interpret a dream or a prophecy. And then if you go to the book of Jude and verse 8. Till the dreamers. Mm. Jude 1, 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They are dreamers. They reject authority. That's what I said, no? Those are people who dream a lot of dreams are people who will never come under authority. They reject authority. And to them, the devil can give lots of dreams. And their dreams are actually filthy dreams. Filthy dreams. Not just talking about dreams that defile the flesh. Okay, the dreamers defile the flesh, meaning those dreams are connected with your flesh. It's not connected with your spirit. Yes. You are being led. It's a carnal. All those dreams are connected with your the carnal world, the carnal mind, and all about this world. It's got nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And one is what is one of the key? They reject authority. Yes. So Dreams, you have to be very, very clear about it. When Cornelius sees a dream yes. or a vision, he's a man who has, who really doesn't know the living God from what he understands about the living God, has consciously subjected himself. Yes. So God gives him a vision. So you go through all the, the people who have dream. seen dreams or visions in the Bible, you will see there is something from God. You will see something common about them. They never despised authority. Yes. They never despised authority. They and they were occupied with the work of God. They occupied like, with like, that. Like Whatever God, work God, yeah. the Father or God had given to them, they were very occupied. They were occupied with the work no. which was given by the authorities. Yes. Like Paul has a dream mm. that um, somebody from Macedonia is Macedonia. calling, but he's occupied, occupied with, with the work of God. So it's... So, so it's yeah. Even there, when he gets that dream, if you go to that, I don't know which chapter it is. I think 16 or 17, if I'm right. Macedonia, if you do a word check on Macedonia, I'll get it. So that we look at it when this incredible man who gets a dream. Hmm? 16. And 69, yeah. Look at that. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Go further down. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately. We sought to go to Macedonia. Did we, you see that? We. We. Hmm. Concluding the Lord had called us. Yes. He didn't take a decision alone. There were a bunch of godly people. He said, I saw this. Can we please pray about it? That what I heard, what I saw is true. Okay. So we, we and us. Okay. We and us is there. We and us. So even in that case, because it's a vision. It's not a written word of God. It's a vision. So he says, you know what? We are here. We're going as a group. Can we, can we? Because in the multitude of godly counsel, there is safety. safety. Especially with dreams and visions and all, there is safety. There is safety. Yes, Pastor Vijay, I hope that your prayer, uh, your question is answered. And a lot of others so dream. Your dreams also are answered. Question number five, Pastor. Ah, that is from Mr. Bahubali. I won't tell your name, uncle. Don't worry. I won't tell your name. I'll use your nickname, Mr. Bahubali. <laughs> if, if, and after it's over, I will tell all of them who you are. Okay? I'll smack you. <laughs> if God knew we were going to hell, why would he create such a place? He is not the one who is suffering, right? 
we are if you knew this world would be so messed up then why should we why should we create it we never ask him to i know he's sovereign but i feel it's a foolish act don't tell my name don't Arthur. tell my name first thing i'm very pleased with you not by your question but the fact that your english has become really better like i look at the whole thing first thing i looked at to you this thing and i said oh my gosh his english is better there are no grammar mistakes over there okay at least something is happening here then i looked at the question can't help it i was english teacher once no so i checked it out and i was pretty tickled first i want you to turn to matthew 25:41 <laughs> matthew 25:41 then he will also say to those on the left hand depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and, and his, his angels the so first thing i want to tell you young man hell was not made for man, man. yes it was not made for man it was made for the devil and his angels and if you choose to go with the devil and the angels it's your choice god has done everything possible for man to go to him are the eternity will realize there are only two places god or the devil and each man each woman each child when they are living are making that choices to go to heaven actually is so simple so simple to go to hell actually is difficult to go to heaven is so simple to go to hell you have to do all the work mm. to go to heaven god has done all the work to go to heaven is the simplest thing you just have to repent and believe in the work of jesus christ and the word says if you believe you are saved you will not go to hell <clears throat> after that again god says all you have to do is keep believing my spirit will empower you to walk that narrow path after that you are not worried about going to hell or heaven you are more concerned about running your race for the rewards in heaven admission is free promotion you have to work in a school you are a young man in school college whatever i'm not mentioning details then people will know who you are you know so <laughs> some people are laughing from the question they understood who could have asked that question okay so it was not a foolish act we choose mm. there are these visions godly men i'm not putting it as scripture they say that when eternity begins uh like when people die and flips over to eternity they flee from god's presence mm nothing is stopped or closed over there they flee from god's presence because of the power of holiness and no one who has not been redeemed by the blood and has been declared righteous would want to go there mm would want to go there no that's just an assumption but the simple fact is that hell was not made for man and man should not be going there like i said god did not become an angel and die for the angels no he didn't no redemption for the angels who fell redemption is for man even angels can understand it <laughs> they can understand why do you, why do you care for this worm so much what is so special about them that you don't care i mean they can say you are partial you didn't die for us but you died for them <laughs> uh, no okay but that's a fact no man has to go to hell 
God has done it all for us. All we have to do is believe by faith and walk with him. And we are on our way home. Only thing is, if you choose to go to hell, it's because we want to live and do the things that deserve hell. Amen. Hmm. Deserve hell. Deserve hell. And the fact that he says that he is not the one who is suffering, but that's not true. That is not true. true. The father, uh, he mm-hmm. suffers. Mm-hmm. But as a judge, you have to realize the father is also a judge. When he's sitting, I mean, you, you go to any court in the world, when you sit on that judge, you are called to uphold the law. You cannot pervert justice, though a lot of judges pervert justice, but that judge will never pervert justice. Though he's a father and he's a creator, because he's holy and righteous, he has to judge man. So he always asks this question. Hmm. You don't have to be judged. Because my son took the punishment, yes. the wrath. Yes. The wrath of hell was poured upon him. his son. That is the holy. He ultimate suffering. Suffering. The wrath of hell was poured mm. upon him. You don't have to go to hell. He already took it. It's a simple principle of law that a person is not punished twice for, for the same, same crime. crime. Yes. Same crime. So if I am in Christ Jesus, I don't have to go through it. Because he went through it. But if I choose to go through it because I choose to stay outside of Christ. Yes. And God says, I'm sorry. Then you have to be judged for your sin. And he's a righteous judge. He yes. was tempted in all, all points. points. All for our sake. So guess, no, tempted, he didn't have to go through any, even. He didn't even have to come here. Mm. Okay, Pastor. So, this question, uh, this is from the online uh, chat. Now? Okay. Wait, no, no, this is yesterday. Mm. Question number six. Mm. Uh, one of the chats. Uh, what happens to people who in some parts of the world have to be more concerned about putting food on the table or their family safety rather than spiritual or eternal sustenance? What about them? What about them? But the fact of the matter is, whether you are poor or rich, famous or unknown, the end of every life on earth is death. Mm. You cannot escape it. Cannot escape it. Like we have Hollywood actors. Many Indians may not know Irfan Khan, but in US he was very well known. Yes. Because of slumdog billionaire. Mm. So, uh, that the fact that Rishi Kapoor passed away did not come in U.S. news, but Irfan Khan passed away came all over in U.S. news. But he also died. Hmm. So, nothing is going to protect you from this eventual eventuality, whether you're poor or rich, yes. famous or unknown, powerful or powerless. There's one thing that is it the is end po- of every appointed man. Appointed to man to die. Appointed to, to man, man to, to die. die. So, the question is, if you are poor, why shouldn't you think about the things that are eternal? Mm. Why should you? It should be actually thinking more about the eternal. Amen. Because poverty causes premature death. The lifeline, the longevity of death for the poor is lesser than the rich. You are put in a situation in so many ways, you face death more than the others. So you should be thinking about, and God is the God of the poor, and actually the Christian gospel is aimed towards the The poor. poor. The gospel is preached to the poor, and all the people who, most of the people who come into the kingdom of God are the people who are poor. Who are mostly poor people. They Mm. come in easily, because easy for them. Even when Jesus walked on earth, it was the poor. So, 
the question does not fit in with simple logic. Yes, you can think about eternity. Uh, doesn't matter if you are still working hard, because this is something that got to do with your soul, not to do with your body. You may be working hard about putting food on the table or your family's safety, but no. Yeah. So, but isn't the fact that whatever religion people is in, if you see the people who flock temples or mosques or, the poor. or churches are mostly the poor? Mm-hmm. Amen. Hmm. The poetry did not stop them from seeking, seeking religion. Yes. Seeking religion. Okay. Poverty did not stop them. So in the same way, God speaks to the poor. And he's got the heart for the poor. Amen. And the poor actually get into the kingdom faster than the rich. That's why he said it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Because the rich man's mind is occupied with so many things. The care, the the pleasure, making more money. Remember the rich man who made that this thing, he had a huge crop. He says, I need to pull down my barn and make more. God said, you fool. Don't you know your, your soul account would be taken today? Mm. Okay. And the same thing about the rich man and Lazarus. That poor man sitting outside, hoping for some crumbs, had so much time to think about his eternity. Mm. So he put his life right with God. The rich man was so busy, occupied with life, he did not think about eternity. So, it does not, uh, if you look at life and history and logic, that question is actually not true. Hmm. The poor people come into the kingdom of God in their tens and millions. Yes. Pastor, question number seven is from a real struggling sinner. Yes, sister. Yeah. Dear Pastor James, I really want to love the Lord and obey his word, but I end up sinning against him and it depresses me a lot. I grew up always desiring to love him more each day and doing my best to obey him. Mm. I've always prayed earnestly and asked the Lord to keep me from sinning, especially from adultery. I've never imagined that I would ever be caught up in this particular sin. I never imagined myself doing that. I thought I was really strong in this in this area, yet knowing that there are that we are all vulnerable. I've always prayed and asked the Lord to keep me from falling. With fear and earnestly I've prayed, yet I know I'm caught up in the very thing that I prayed I would never be in. Not just this, in a couple of other areas as well. Every time I earnestly pray that I should not fall in this, in that particular sin, I immediately find myself committing that sin. Doesn't the Lord help us and prevent us from falling where we have earnestly asked Him to help us and not to fall in that area? And now I'm scared even to pray. Okay, the answer to that is because we are talking about here sins of the flesh. There are certain things, yes, you need to pray. I understand that. But the Bible also tells you to flee. Mm. Yes. That's the practical, the practical, uh, practical what you talk. I mean, like all of us, 43 days, today is 43 days. Yes. 40 days, 43 days, lockdown. Why? Why lockdown? What are we, what are we being locked in from? What are we asked to flee from? An invisible virus. Yes. Right? Invisible virus. The government and the medical authority decide this is the only way. There's no other way. Okay, no other way. You have to be locked in, stay away until it is over. So in the same way, when it is talking about certain sins in the Bible, all sins are not the same, but certain sins in the Bible, it tells you, you have to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the power of the evil one. But it also tells you, flee. If Mm. you don't flee, then you are testing the Lord your God. You are testing. 
Okay, we don't test the Lord. We we are not presumptuous enough to believe that any one of us is not vulnerable. Mm. So these kind of things, the Lord says, run, flee, stay away. Practically, stay away. You know, stay away. And that's my suggestion to you: repent. God forgives you. He will forgive you, and then do the practical things you need to do to escape. Keep to to escape, and I would say that that's a way. That's a way. There is no other way, mm. and you can come out of it. Whatever it is, you can come out of it. You have to flee. You have to do practical things to come out of certain sins. You have to, like Joseph did, he fled. Mm. He left his coat behind and he left. He ran. He never went back in. And then God answered his prayer, Lord. Lead me not into temptation. He said, good, I'll lock you up for the next 10 years. <laughs> Until you have crossed that age where your hormones are kicking. Okay, I will teach you what self-control is. And by the time he came back, he was, came out, he was strong man. Okay, so pray like that. But do what has to be practical. Flee from those situations. Run away from that situation. And God has given you an opportunity now. I don't know your situation. I do not know you. But a 40-day lockdown. So use this time uh, you know, profitably and come out of this situation. Pastor, I have a question related to this. Is it is it possible? I mean, this was, whoever this wrote this is mm. describing his sin so much or her sin so much. Mm. Is it also possible that many believers actually make an idol out of their out of their sin and, and they make it so bigger than what they actually? Uh, Some it, sins are big, and you, you don't are not making an idol of it. You cannot uh, what you call it make it small either. Either because some of the sins like this has consequences which go beyond you into your children. Family breaks up. You no, know, so many things happen. So. We cannot, uh, depends upon, like, you know, there are sins that stop with us. There are sins that stop, go beyond us. Hmm. But this is a person who is married. It's a married person. Mm. Okay, she's not talking about fornication. She's talking about adultery. adultery. So this, you no, know, there is, so, so are you, so there's, you, I'm not even guessing, but permutation combinations can be terrible. You are married, imagine you have kids. And you're having an affair with another married man who's got kids and it can create havoc down the line. Families get split, children become orphans, homes are broken. So you, we, we have to realize, you have to look at it and say, you know what? I want to run for my life. I'm going to run for my life. You know, run for, if a young man ran for his life, a I'm single sure. young man run for my worst slave, how much more we, you know, and, but repent, genuinely repent and come out of it and run from it. Stay away from it because you have to put a, ultimately, you have to put a premium on your soul. Hmm. Because we know the story of what happened to David and the mess he brought it into his life. Yep. Okay. So another question on the circle, Pastor. Oh, you want to go to 8, 9, and 10? Oh, yes. All three are same person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 8, 9, and 10, Pastor? Yeah. I don't... Oh, do I, yeah. this one doesn't look... I didn't get it, Pastor. A lot of anger towards children's home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You didn't get it? I, I got it, I got it, yeah. I got yeah. it. Um, 
Yes. Yes. Madam, we have a lot of anger <laughs> towards children's home. How can we forgive child abuse? I want to kill all the rapists. Okay, this is somebody who probably deals with the social service sector, who works as a social worker, who works with uh, children who are abused. Okay, and abuse. Yes, it's one of the worst things that can happen is a little child, child rapist. Okay, but uh, the pro the issue here is. Uh, does that stop it from happening? You kill. Can you use any technology to find out who are the next fellows who are going to do it? It does not work that way. Simply, it does not work that way. We have to look at the core issue. The core issue is that after sin came in, this came in. And this has not been happening from yesterday or today. This has been happening for 6,000 years. Yes, yes. The man went away from God. Okay. Now we are educated and we have consciousness of this and we are zealous about these things. But you need to realize there was a time and an age when this was the acceptable norm. Wow. Pedophilia, child sex. Parents gave their sons and daughters out for that and made money out of it. In the Roman age, the Greek age, the Babylonians, they sacrificed their babies, everything. When did this concept about this all has wrong come? When the Jewish nation rose. The mm. Jewish nation to whom God gave the law no. and how protective he was about the children. He was very, very, remember if there is no Jewish nation and the revelation of God from now, we wouldn't have, we would have all gone that route. All that route is the Judea Christian principles that establish protection. This it's Sir William Bentick, who was one of the governor generals who abolished sati. It's a Christian idea. Otherwise, every woman who was widowed went into the pyre and died with her husband. It was another human sacrifice. And she had no choice about it. She had no choice about it. You need to realize it's only the revelation of the living God which brought social transformation. Hmm. Otherwise, this wouldn't have, it would have been in our psyche. It is okay. I mean, let me ask you this question. If you're an atheist, who says, um, you ask a question, who says sex with a baby is not right? <coughs> who told you? Where does morality come from? Exactly. Hmm. Where, do you, where do you get this question about morality? If you do not have absolutes, a God, and that absolute also has to be absolute, a God who is absolutely holy and righteous, you cannot have man-made gods who are not holy. Then you are choosing what is right and wrong. No, you cannot have that. You cannot have that. You have to look at the living God and how he, what he is. It, because all the these laws are basically a reflection of God's character. Mm. You know, so, we being zealous about killing the rapist is not going to solve the problem. The problem is we have to, for me, this is the solution. You take, give me any problem in the world. Give me one problem, Raj. One problem in the world. Normal problem society faces. Give me a problem. Hunger. Hunger. Peter gave me one. Famine. Okay, that's also hunger. Mm. Okay. Appu. Tell me. Marriage. 
That is his problem. Okay, his problem. That is Sammy's problem. Let us say murder. Let us say murder, rape, child abuse, hunger, mm-hmm. poverty. Do you know what's the answer to all this? Christ. The gospel. Oh, the gospel, yes. The answer is the gospel. Amen. The answer is the gospel. That's why the gospel is also the most perverted and attacked because fake ones have gone all through. Everybody looks at the Christian and says he's a Christian. No, most of them are not Christian. They don't know Christ. They've taken that name and using his name to run businesses, but they don't know Christ. But the answer to all this, God's answer to that is the gospel. gospel. My son sets free. My son sets you free. And you will always still see that within the Christendom. Orphanages are run by them, old age homes are run by them, hospitals, that social this thing. But the problem is when you get further and further away from God, you have a system without God. And then abuse comes in. Yes. Abuse comes in. Now the system is there, the skeleton is there, God is not there. Okay. Why did you start this? You started it because of God. Now why are you running it? Because of something else altogether. That is where the issue comes in. If God is there in the picture, then God will also show you this is how it needs to be done. Then by uh, killing all the rapists, no, I have issues with, uh, I'm not saying that uh, capital punishment is wrong. I do also accept capital punishment. If that is the law of a country, it is fine. I'm not for abolishing capital punishment. Also, if it is abolished also, I have no issues. But my thing is that the rapist should be interned. He should be put in prison. But he should have access to the gospel. Because God loves him too. God loves him too. God loves him too. Because let me, let me give you the simple reason. Let us say I'm the child rapist. Pastor Vijay is not the child rapist. But if Pastor Vijay did not have the education, the knowledge, the understanding, and grown up in the same environment of the child rapist, he would have been a child rapist. Mm. Yes. Okay. He have been a child rapist. So we need to realize... What is that, Padivrata? Vriddhanari Padivrata. Padivrataha. Padivrataha. Vriddhanari Okay. Why is she Padivrata? Because she is a Vriddhanari. But if she had not been a Vriddhanari, she may not have been a Padivrata. So we need to realize, many of the things we see others doing, we did not do. Because we were not in that situation. And God protected us. Yes. Protected us. We look at somebody and we will realize that if I had been there, I could have been that. And I just thank God for no. That's that's where we have to look at the mercies of God. So I always look at a criminal and I say crime has to be punished, but the criminal has to be given a chance. So prisons are not just places where criminals are locked up so that they do not come out and commit the crime again. No, prisons should be places where criminals are reformed. Reformed, yes. Reformed. And that does not take place. Amen. The only thing they can reform criminals is the gospel. They have to have an encounter with the living Amen. God. Living God. And that's the one thing that people don't want to accept. accept. That's the one accept. thing. That's the solution. That's the one I, thing that will not I will accept. give an open challenge to India. Yeah. Exactly. Open your prisons to us and see what will happen. 
see what will happen. Yes. Genuine men of God. Not just fellows who will go take pictures and put it in this church and, get money. and mm-hmm. get money out of it. No. No cameras, nothing at all. Who will go there and speak and show them how much God loves them, how much God cares for them, how God has died for them. You should believe not only a system will not release you, but God will forgive you. Not only that, He will set you free. Set you free. And you will realize how people come out and things change. God can change. You have to look at the absolute power of God. That is what you don't find in religion. I'm not against religion. Religion is good for the society, which brings some kind of order, social order, cohesion. But religion, the gods of the religion cannot, doesn't change any man. Mm. Any man. Which god of Hinduism changes any man? Which god? It doesn't. Does Krishna say that if you believe in me, I will come inside you and I will give you the power to overcome evil? No, he doesn't say that. Rama doesn't say that. None of them say that. None of them say that. No god of Hinduism says that. Does in Islam Allah say that? (laughs) You do your five things a day and I will come inside you and I will help you. No, that's not how our god says. Our god says you believe in me, you are cleansed. I will cancel all you have done because my son was punished on the cross for your sin. Crime, there is punishment. Crime, there is punishment. Nobody is going to escape from their punishment. My son took the punishment. So you put your trust in him in his work and after that he will come in and he will help you one day at a time to overcome sin. So that is what God is doing with the world. He's changing from inside out, one man at a time. But there is a day when God will say enough, his son will come back and judgment will begin for all those who did not accept his free offer of mercy. Amen. There is a time set by God. Till then the gospel will be preached. What is the gospel? No man has to die. No man has to go to hell. God is offering free pardon, free pardon, free pardon, free pardon. There is a story told in US prison where this death row um, person was there. Uh, People were there and uh, the governor went in incognito and uh, he asked Everybody, he just casually walked and said, everybody Everybody said, you know what, I am, I am innocent. I never did anything at all. I never did anything at all. I never did anything at all. One man alone said, I am guilty. I regret it. I am guilty. I am guilty. I did it. And I am sorry. I deserve my punishment. Next day he went and he released that man. said, you are too good to be among them. Hallelujah. Said <laughs> so you don't deserve to be because he gave a governor's pardon. He said, release him. Old days. Because he's the only guy who's honest over there. <laughs> I can't change my past. But I can at least acknowledge my past. God is not saying that change your past, then you will enter heaven. He says, nobody can change their past. But I can change it for you. I can change your present. I can change your future. Will you at least accept you are a sinner? Please. Stop trying to earn brownie points with me. Accept who you are. Believe in my son. And that's the gospel. It's as simple as that. Christianity also has become a religion. Catholicism is a religion. Islam is a religion. Judaism is a These are all religion. But the Christ we preach, we don't preach Christianity. Christ we preach is a God who redeems his people. Then killing all these people simply is not going to take away the problem. The problem is the gospel. A rapist becomes a man of God. Mm. What is his name? Not Isaac Newton. What other than Newton? The slave trader becomes the one who is John free. Newton. John, John Newton becomes the person who is freeing slaves. Mm. How did you become an encounter with Jesus Christ? 
encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's what, how, what were all our first pastors, including a few and still around. What were all our first set of pastors who came out through the gospel that was preached all around the world? All were hardened criminals. All were in jail. All were in for 15 years, 20 years more. One guy who died after he came out, did a fantastic job God did through him, had killed 106 people, not one or two in Guyana. Forgot that. Mario. Mario. Mario had killed 106 people. But God set him free. And he was in isolation where no man sees him. And the transcript was put under the door for him. Read it, went on his knees, believed and was filled with the Holy Ghost immediately. And they released him. They didn't even know why they released him. God changed the heart of the judge and he was released. And when he started, he released, he asked me, Pastor, can I start a Bible study? I said, go ahead. I will only use your trunk. I said, go ahead, please. If that's. And he started with four or five, six people. And it exploded. But one week before he died, he wrote to me and said, the Lord has told me it's time for me to go. And I'll be dying next week. The God has already told me. And for his funeral, around 15,000 people gathered. Yeah. All the ones we had brought to the Lord. So God can God change a hardcore murderer who murdered 106 people to a saint? Christ can. Absolutely. That's the power of the gospel we preach. It's the power of the gospel we preached. So everywhere, that's why we stand and are willing to stand and die on the power of this God and this word. It changes people. And we are not afraid of death, because when we die, we know. Okay, then the second question, so many people are lying to get children for money, most are Christians, how to forgive them, not good. But it's nothing to got to do with Christians. Christians come there because they do the social work. But many of them who come there are only Christian by name. Mm-hmm. Fact is that we don't say, Hindus also do it, Muslims also do it, Jews also do it. Everybody does this. What will stop people from lying and cheating? Redemption. Transformation. Transformation has to take place. And religion only takes care of outside. It does not change you from inside. To change you from inside, a person has to be touched by the Spirit of God. And when that person comes, yes. And I'm not saying that you should forgive them. My my answer to you is this. Please, in the morning message also I preached. The difference is that if you are a person who is seated on a position of authority who has to judge these activities you have to go by the law absolutely if i am a judge in a criminal court and somebody is coming over there and the evidence is against him i'm not going to show any mercy i have to uphold the law i will show mercy if the law allows it first case first offender yes i look at the law and what it says and if it gives me autonomy to decide on a first case i will say young man come and sit here i want to hear your background Okay, I want to tell you something. I'm going to give you a free pass this time. The next time I get you, I want to throw the book at you. Mm. Okay, one of our pastors, young man today, who's doing an incredible job, has gone mercy, shown mercy by the judge. You know what the judge told him? The judge told him, one day, I want to see you sitting in a chair like me. Because I see you have hope. You're a young boy, teenager. Your family, orphan, all this stuff made you do this. I'm going to show you mercy. Don't come to my court again. And that boy changed radically. He's one of our pastors now. What I'm saying, those cases, what the law allows, okay, we will show. But as a person over here, 
as a pastor over here, and even if I am the judge over there, I will sentence the person as a judge, but will forgive him as a person. These are two different things. One is the office, the other is me, the friend. Like the old story, hmm. real story about a little town in the U.S., so people who listen will understand. Two young boys who grew up together, small little U.S. town, 400, 300 people town. They grew up, one came from a poor family, the other from a rich guy. The rich guy, the boy, went wayward, but they were friends. The young guy studied well, became a lawyer, became a large. The other guy became alcoholic, lost everything, everything. But one day he's caught red-handed for a crime. And he's brought to the same court. <clears throat> the whole town has gathered because they know they grew up together. And they are friends. So the judge is sitting over there. The other fellow is in the dock. All the evidence is against him. And according to the law, he looks according to the law and sentence him maximum. $10,000 or something as fine or spend this many years in prison. He upheld the law. But what he did after that is interesting. After he sentenced him to that, he got off from his chair and took off his judicial robes, went to the clerk and said, I pay his fine. Let him go. That's exactly what God did. Mm. He sentenced all mankind to sin. Death. Wages of sin is death. Then he went over there, paid the price and said, let them go. Mm. Now that man who is condemned has to do one thing if he has to go free. He has to receive that. I accept your. That's all he has to do. If he says, I don't want your mercy, he goes to jail. Why do people go to hell? Because they say, we don't want your mercy. We'll work it out. God says, fine. God says, fine. This is life. This is the truth of the gospel. That's why Christ is different. That is, Christ is different. That's why all religions are man's way searching for God. Christianity is God coming down to redeem man. That is why it is so, that's why Christ is so different. You will not see any God of any religion hanging on a cross. Nowhere. They have glory and they have crowns and they have many, any culture, Egyptian, Scandinavian, Roman, Greek, anywhere, except our God hangs there naked on a cross and says the first thing from his mouth, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. That makes Christianity absolutely. But people who are born in Christian families are Christians without being Christians. They have a name tag called Christian, but they are not Christians. Okay, It's like Brahmin who eats beef. You have a name tag called, I have Brahmin friends who ate beef. They'll say, I'm a Brahmin, then why are you eating this? (laughs) So you have a name, but no practice. No practice. In the same way, no practice. They also go to church, do like this, and they leave. Nothing has been touched. So we are not talking about them. We are not talking about them. Now this is the only God who can uphold justice, uphold justice. and show mercy at, mercy the, same, at the, the same time. He's the one who is just and the justifier. Hallelujah. Awesome. James Garu, how to forgive people who do sexual abuse to <laughs> poor children in home. We should do the same thing to their children also. Now, this this is my issues. My issues is that, yes, those who do sexual abuse to poor children should be caught and given the maximum punishment according to the law. But if you do that to their children, how different are you from them? There's no question. What's the difference between them and you? There's no difference. Because that's also a child. His child is also a child who's innocent. Why am I so angry? I'm so angry because an innocent child has been abused. Now, if my idea of justice is 
make his child suffer so that he will suffer. Uh, it's, 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 it's defies logic. Then, you know what I have become? I too am an abuser. What has happened is that I too am a violent person. Mm. I too am a violent person. I too am a violent person. Okay. So ultimately, I have judged myself. I have judged myself. No. So it, it, it simply doesn't work that way. I can understand the abuser has to be punished according to the law, maximum. But we don't do it to his children. You should take his children away from him. Yes. You take his children away from him and say that, you know what, you are not, that's what the U.S. system does. You'll take their children away and put in some home where they will get abused again. The problem is abuses are everywhere. Predators, predators are everywhere in these homes. I mean, government homes, everywhere, even in U.S. The biggest abuses takes place. The children have to be protected, you know. And who is the one who protects children? The only person who would never abuse children, Jesus Christ. Do not stop the children from coming. coming to me. He rebuked his disciples and they tried stopping. They thought he would be too busy. He said, let them come to me. He took them in his arms. He blessed them. And we need to, by faith, take every child to Christ. You know, every child to Christ. But the problem is the government makes it so difficult mm. to take care of children. I would love to take care of children, but you make it so difficult. And you know, kids are safe with me. Hmm. I love them. And I miss them. Master, would you want to take this next question on spiritual warfare? Yeah, we'll take it. What's the time? Yeah, we have time. So, my daughter is still in the circle. Yeah, but don't mention the master's name. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hmm. Very angry and very mad. What do we know? What do we do now? She gets so angry and very suicidal. Okay, the master's name is also there. One of the things which I have to tell you is this. Because of those who are in circle, I know your desire, your great desire is for your children also, because this is hereditary. You were bred in the circle, your children were taken, their children were taken, so it goes sadly, it's like a circle. You came out, now you want to get your daughter out, but be wise. Use discernment, you know it very well. First thing, you cannot trust your daughter at all. (laughs) Sadly, her loyalty is on to the other side, sworn to loyalty on the other side. So, you have to be very, very careful how you do it. How you do it. You know, what to, I would say, use wisdom, all of you, which use wisdom. And uh, don't give details about what you are now. Talk about Jesus. and They will freak out because you have been programmed in a way where the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the Bible verses, all these things trigger you. But I will tell you, be gentle with them. I tell you, with altars. Be very, very gentle with them. Because there's something about our God, about our Jesus. It says, a smoking flax he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. He's very gentle. He's very gentle. You have to be tough with the black ones that come out. Those are witches. With them, you have to be tough and tell them to go down. But I'm talking about dealing with the core. Very gentle with them. Be kind with them. Be loving with them. And tell them. Every one of them. Okay, you have to use, you know, a little psychology with them. Say that. Can you repeat three words after me? I always has worked with me. Three words. Jesus, help me. That's all you need. If you can make them confess that, after that you pray, the person is free. Freedom is very close. But you have to come to that point. If they will say, no, I cannot say that. You have to say, you are afraid. Because then their ego is 
sitting down. You know, you are wet. No, I am not afraid. If you are not afraid, so what is so big thing about saying these three words? But if you can make them, because Bible is very clear, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will not be put to shame. So you have to cause them to open their mouth because you have to give them rights. Because remember, they already were in the covenant. They were already in the circle. They have made their blood oaths and covenant with the other side. So now you have to get them to ask Jesus for help. Then things will happen. Because he is the only one who can cancel all that and get you out. He can do that. He is sovereign and over it all. So you have to get that person to say it. Then the battle begins. But you at least know you can win. Hmm. The, the name of the master is shocking, Pastor. Yes, the name of the master is shocking. All these guys need to be locked up. But God has pity on them too. Even if they call upon the Lord, He will rescue them. So, Pastor, we'll go next to the questions on theology. The one thing that you wanted to escape has come. come has come to us. <laughs> one thing that I wanted to run away has come. Okay, one John five sixteen and, and 17. seventeen. Can you just put it up, please? Sixteen and seventeen. Padae pediche pandalat chennapam pandang kolti pada. My brother-in-law would have understood it. Jawa is watching. Jawa also understood it. <laughs> Simply means what you are running away from, you ran into it. <laughs> because this is, this is a very, very, very dangerous question to answer because I don't want to create any depression, discouragement or false hope. Hmm. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask. And he, that is God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that you should pray about that. <laughs> All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. Now, it's a very, because I've seen the most extreme cases coming out. You name it, murderous people coming out, child rapists coming out, child sacrificers coming out, you name it. I've seen them all coming out. So what is that cannot come out? When I look in the Bible, I see only one thing is mentioned. That is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Will not be forgiven in this age or the age that is coming. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Why is it so? Because salvation is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. Redemption is the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything is which the Holy Spirit does. And if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and He leaves, then who saves you? Hmm. Who saves you? Like Thessalonians talks about the restrainer. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit. And when the restrainer is slowly being removed, evil is being manifested more and more and more here. Okay? So that's that's my answer to that. But I would say, you just pray. You just pray. Don't even dare to think any brother you encounter in your life has reached that point. Just pray. Don't do that. 
Okay, because even the apostles, okay, even the apostles were very careful about. It. Yes, Apostle Paul has mentioned many people and handed some. Said, "Lord, deal with them." This one, Alexander the coppersmith, and no Diotrephes. John will talk about Diotrephes. So different, different people who really harmed them. Lord, okay, but they didn't go to this stage with anybody. Okay, so. Even till the last moment, God, Jesus gave Judas a chance. Okay, then he said, "Go, friend. What you are about to do, go." Okay, so I don't ever tell anybody not to pray for anybody unless you know. Hmm. Have any more questions or something? New question has come. Marsin, some. Oh, now that I already answered. I am captivated by fear since the age of eight, and I'm still struggling with it. Fear entered me. How do I did answer about Lisa? It's not talking about. It. I did answer. I did in the beginning. Yes, this is done. This is done. Okay. So about fear, that child is talking about fear. Okay. How do I get rid? Fear is a spirit, by the way, and God has said that I have not given you the spirit of fear. So people, people spoke to you about demons they saw and gave you graphic details and from that day fear entered and you always struggle with fear. But first you need to realize is that you are a child of God. Get Ma or me, Pastor Vijay, pray over you, cast that spirit of fear out and then be bold. You have to face it. You have to face your fears. Otherwise it will always... You'll always reel with the demons, is that until you face them. When you face them, you'll realize they are nobody. They are nobody. They are absolutely nobody. No? We create a big mahol about them. They are nobody. They are more afraid of us than we are afraid of them. They know they cannot trample us. We know we can trample them. So this entire deception is created so that they rule us with fear when they are actually. But that doesn't mean you need to jump into it without proper covering. And because our strength doesn't come from us, but mm. the fact that we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is it is like the testimony of Rehab. For 40 years, our hearts have melted by thinking about you and your God. And on the other side, their hearts had melted thinking about them. Unbelievable. Mm. Okay. Mm. Because when God says, go take over the land, he already created havoc over here. But they didn't go because they didn't believe him. So 40 years they lived in fear. 40 years they wandered in fear. Hmm. A lot of Christians are like that. They live in fear of the demons. Well, the demons live in fear of them. If this man ever knows what I am and what power he has, I'm finished. Hmm. So the entire thing is to see that we do not know who we are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus says, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Walk in peace with me. Peace with God, the peace of God. And he says, the God of peace shall soon crush whom? Their big boss, Satan. Not even Baphomet. The above it. 
Lucifer himself under your feet. That is why Joshua made the leaders, elders come and say, put your feet on, on their necks. Feel it. How does it feel? Before killing, hanging them. Put your leg, feet on the necks of all these five kings. You are frightened of your fa- Our fathers were all frightened of these guys, right? <laughs> Do you see what they are now? Pleading for mercy. Don't kill us, please. We'll be your servants. Don't do it, please. You see that? This is what kept us out of our promised land for 40 years, these guys. Pleading now. Hmm. Put your feet on their neck. Feel like what authority of God feels like. That's what Jesus is talking about. Everybody is afraid to go in the dark. Bhutare, Bhutare, Bhutare. God says, what are you people afraid of? What Bhut are you talking about? I stripped him. He has no weapons also left. I stripped him completely on the cross. Disarmed him. Hmm. The only thing he has is deception. Yes. And you fall for it, that's your problem. I already told in my word, very clearly, don't fall for it. Over and over I warned you, don't be afraid of the enemy. Be afraid of the dog more than you are afraid of the demon. The dog can bite you. The demon can't do anything to you unless you allow him. <laughs> so, Pastor Vijay's fear of dog is, I understand that. You're not afraid of, you're not afraid of demons. <laughs> okay. Pastor, so, uh, question number two. Reading Jeremiah, very oh, well. That is yours. <laughs> Jeremiah all is yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> reading Jeremiah, very, very depressing book. God was so angry with Judah. Said he would not Go near them to help them. Please understand, these are all new believers reading Jeremiah 15 and 16 and all, okay? So, put you to shame, put us to shame. And help, to help them and they would not be beaten by, uh, would be beaten, beaten by dog vultures. Chapter 15, 16, Jeremiah forbidden to marry. Jeremiah was forbidden to marry, but God is an angry God. His punishment is very severe. Could you explain this to us? Well, um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, is the central theme in Jeremiah where he says that I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. This is Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 11 and 12. Now, of course, uh, most preachers will preach this verse out of context. To whom this is addressed to is very important. And this particular verse has been addressed to those people who are going into captivity. Now, God is a God who is just and he has to discipline us in order to redeem, in order to ensure that we follow his ways. And God is going to use Babylon as a way to discipline, uh, uh, Judah especially. And therefore, he says, okay, the judgment is set and I want you to come under the discipline. And this is the only way that you learn my righteousness and my righteous ways. That's, that's the reason why David says, he says, it was good for me that I was afflicted because before I was afflicted, I went astray. But after I afflicted, I came to know about your righteous judgments. And many of us, unless and until we are disciplined by God, we don't understand his righteousness and his holiness. That is the reason why he says in Hebrews, he says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And if you endure chastisement, it will produce the fruitable fruit, I mean, peaceable fruit of righteousness. That is the most important thing. That we will, that we will have that characteristic of God that He is also righteous and He is also holy. That is, that is the reason why He has allowed this particular situation to happen. 
and uh, that is how i read jeremiah if you read the whole book of jeremiah without this in mind that god even in his judgment his judgments are always redemptive he says in isaiah he says my judgments are a very strange act i don't like to do it now which father for example wants to always beat up his children <laughs> and if he's one always always wanting to beat up his children there's something wrong with the father Right, and God is a God who loves, and He's going to use this as a act of discipline. But the problem is, and why I'm also saying this is, God is a God who is a Father; He does not change. We don't try, we don't want to change God. God said, "I don't change." Okay, I'll help you to change, but I don't want. I, I cannot change. And for example, I told you, every six years, every seventh year, you give the land rest. And what did you guys do? Six years you went and sowed. Seventh year also you went and sowed. And you enjoyed the fruit. And for 490 years, you did not keep my Sabbath. Sabbath of the land. Okay. So when Peter also comes and asks, God, how many times should I forgive? He says, 17 times 7. He says, 490 years I was patient. I send you prophets after prophets after prophets after prophets to discipline you. But you would not listen. No, but judgment is said. And even in this judgment, I want to, I want it to be a redemptive judgment. Okay. I want you to come back to me. And that is the reason why I've allowed the situation to happen to you. But they don't, res- they don't respond and they don't, and they don't, uh, uh, believe and they don't, uh, obey. And that is the reason why Jeremiah is a, uh, he's called the, uh, weeping prophet because he knows that even though he, God, he was, he was literally speaking out God's heart in that he was saying that God has to discipline you. And many people do not love, even in this, in these last days, don't, they don't like the gospel where God is a God who disciplines. They don't like that. And they rejected, and even during Jeremiah's days, they rejected him. And Jeremiah wept for the people, just like uh, when people ask Jesus, uh, "Who his um, disciples? Who do you think?" People say, "I am." They said, "You are Jeremiah." Why he was weeping, weeping over the uh, over the sins of his people, and yet he cannot change. God is a God; He is absolutely righteous and He is holy. And He says, "I can't change because I have to uphold my righteousness, and I want you to change." And I'm willing to help you. And this is the process that I've, I've ordained for you to go through in order for you to have this peaceable fruit, fruit of righteousness. And they do not believe and they do not obey. And God has to. And the thing is that he asked, also asked this question as to um, why did Jeremiah uh, not marry? I think the same person asked. Yeah, but that's what his call. That was his, that was his call. call. Because he was going to go through all, all this. Like even Paul, for example. I mean, did God... Tell Paul, Paul, you, thou shalt not marry. I don't think so. I believe Paul saw his calling. And uh, the kind of uh, persecution that he was going through, <laughs> I don't think any woman would be able to put up with that. Okay, You should have pity on that girl, whoever will marry Apostle Paul. No? Think about it, no? So, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's also, got, it's also got to do with the call. Okay, so if you have a call like the way Apostle Paul, then you should not marry for sure. Okay, that is something which you have to think about. I think Pastor will definitely uh, second that, Pastor. Do you think <laughs> he will second no, that? Uh, <laughs> adding to that question, second question, no? Uh, reading Jeremiah, very, very depressing book. God was so angry with Judah, said he would not go near them to help them. They would be eaten by dogs, vultures. God is, boy, God is an angry God. His punishment is very severe. Could you explain this to us? Let me put it across to you because some of you asking these questions are coming from the Muslim background. Mm. So you will understand it better. <coughs> imagine you are married. Not imagine, think that you are married. And your wife 
is sleeping with different men. Yes. What would you do to your wife? Under your law, Sharia, you would cut her into pieces. Right? That's exactly what God told about Israel. Israel is, I have betrothed you. Married to you. I'm married to you. And what are you doing? I chose you not you because you are gay or big or something, because you are small. I protected you, brought you, drove all these people out, gave you this nation, planted you well, prospered you, gave you good kings and told you, just keep this. Instead, what have you done? You brought every god and goddesses over here and you messed the land. You are like literate because these two words are connected. When you sleep with somebody else outside your marriage, it is called adultery. Mm. When your spirit is yoked with another God other than the living God, it is idolatry. One is because we are very conscious about the physical thing. Mm. We are not conscious about the the spiritual thing. thing. The spiritual thing is is what is worse and it is Mm. can have eternal consequences. So if you look at uh, Jeremiah 3 and verse 8, Mm. this is God's fine. First, he allowed Israel to go. Then he talks about, then I saw, for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, is using the marriage language. Mm. I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, and she went and played the harlot also. So when God is talking about dogs and vultures and all, primarily what is he saying? He is saying, you know why you are protected? Do you know why all the nations around you, bigger than you, has never defeated you? Because my hand was there over it. Yes. What I'm going to do is that if you want to live like them, and I will do one thing. I'll just take my hand off. And what happens is the other nations defeat them and they kill them left, right and center. The dogs eat their bodies. The vulture eats their bodies. The rest are taken into captivity. That is all what means over there. Who are the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the others came? Because how did Israel always win? That's why God always told them. Don't multiply horses, don't count your men. Your victory will come from me because you walk with Mm. me. So always God fought for Israel. God for Israel. They never won because they were such a powerfully big, large nation. You, I am, have a covenant relationship with you. I am your husband. Anybody touches you, it touches me. They will feel my wrath. Only one thing I ask you, only one thing in this marriage I ask you, stay faithful to me and serve me alone. Mm. That's all I ask you. Stay faithful to me and serve me alone. Don't go after other gods. If you go after other gods, then I will have to deal with you. And how did he deal with them? He just took his hand off. And nation after nation came and ravaged Israel. First Israel was gone, captivity. Then later he gave 70 more years, I think, to Judah. Then Judah was also gone. So you have their best cream. Young men all been taken as prisoners to Babylon and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach are all out. That's how God deals. In the midst of it, he keeps that weeping man over there. He's weeping, weeping, weeping. He's a weeping prophet. But people are so hardened. That's what idolatry does. Idol, idolatry, the Bible says, will make your heart like the idol. Mm-hmm. You're hard. And they don't listen to it. But he's still weeping. He's still, he knows. It's the heart of God. He knows. God loves the people, so he loves the people. But... Nothing changes. But God will always have a remnant. remnant yes. That's the history of Israel and the history of, of the, the church. church too. Hmm. You see the whole church? It's not true. It's a remnant. Every generation God has a remnant who has remained faithful to them. And you will see, God will touch Cyrus. 
and the remnant will come back. Different kings, a remnant will come back and rebuild Jerusalem. That's how we have to look at it. How come God allowed these people to mess with Jeremiah for so long? But that's a call of God's servants. Yes. That's part of your call. To mess with him, he's standing in the gap and God protected him. God protected him. Okay, Pastor. So we have the last section. The curiosity section, Pastor. Okay. You have time for that? One more question. One more question and then... Yeah, we'll take question two. Question two. Pastor, I have another question. Okay, Luke's Gospel chapter 23, verse 43. Please put it. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was raised on the third day, but why did he say today? But yeah. that question was uh, answered answer. on the one of those days when yeah. we talked about where paradise, paradise was then. Mm-hmm. Assuming paradise was not in heaven then, it was somewhere else. And there is a gulf between paradise, which is called Abraham's bosom, and hell. So when Jesus died, he did not rise up straight to heaven. He went down, wherever that was, three days. And then on the third day, he rose again. So this man will also go to that place. Mm. So that is what he's saying, you will be with me today. Paradise. When you die, that does not mean your soul is not conscious. Your soul is conscious. Otherwise, how can Lazarus be with Abraham and the rich man call out, so it's not that you have gone to sleep or anything. Jesus uses a parable or a real story and tells you a consciousness of the soul, mm. not of the body. The body is gone, but the soul is conscious, probably. Pastor, there's one question which has come online, just right now on the chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did Pastor James know his full-time calling? Let's see. Oh, how did I know my full-time calling? First thing I'll tell you when I got saved, the year I got 1984 or something when I got saved, and that winter, no winter in Kerala, but (laughs) we'll use the name winter. It was summer, but it was winter. Okay, We were at the youth camp, my first youth camp as a young believer. And uh, at the last day we had campfire. And at the campfire I still remember... Those leaders who were leading asked, does anybody want to surrender their life for full-time ministry? And I put my hand up. <laughs> and I looked around and I saw only one hand was up. <laughs> so, I believe I put my hand up and God <laughs> accepted my hand. I ran from my call for many, many years. But finally, second time around, when God called me, and I knew God was calling me. I'll tell you what happened was there was a stage in my life where I had backslidden, I was not so much interested, and I felt sick, and I had jaundice. So I was kind of bedridden for two months. That's how I came back to God. And I sat, prayed, read, came back to God, and that was the year God confirmed his call. And like I said in one of the messages, when God called me and I knew God was calling him, I was not willing to take a jump because it's a huge, huge thing at that stage of your life. So I told my pastor, who's passed away, and two others, two other, two of them passed away. One sister is still alive. She's she's in Singapore, I mean, believing sister. And two, one brother, he passed away, and a pastor passed away. I didn't tell them about my call at all. I didn't tell them anything. I just told them there is a major issue in my life. I want you to pray and let me know what it is left it that and I went to Kerala. I came back after two months. Then came back all three, I met them separate and I talked to them separately too. 
this is not a jump you will take like that. If you are single, it is a different thing. I wasn't single then. I was married. Baby was there. Then I came back. I met each one of them. And each one of them told, God has called you to full time. You need to get out. So I got out. July the 1st was the day he came into full-time ministry. Only thing I asked the Lord is, Lord, I look in the Word. I don't know the Word. I'm novice. Not novice in the Catholic sense, but I'm novice. <laughs> and one thing I see is that when you send your people out, you baptize them with the Holy Spirit. If you're calling me and I'm stepping out, I need it. And on July 1st, July 1st Sunday, first Sunday, while I was leading worship, First Sunday of my full-time ministry filled me with the Holy Spirit. So I knew, okay, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Call is there. Power is there. Now I will. So first two years of my ministry, it was like visiting houses, all these places I went. No, Doing the follow-up of crusades, going to the houses where nobody goes, with these addresses, checking on that, all that thing. And one of those days, the Lord spoke to me from the book of Acts and said, I'm changing your ministry. I'm calling you to teaching ministry. He spoke from Apollos that you will strengthen believers. He said, you will not go to non-believers. I haven't called you to be an evangelist. I've called you to be a teacher. No, teacher in my body. So then, automatically when they call was confirmed this is first is the call to full-time ministry then narrowing it down to your call to pastor and teach and pastor also i didn't want to be teacher was very nice good to be a teacher no shoulder no responsibility teach and go then 12 years ago again the thing was to be the pastor and i became a pastor so that's how it is there so still i teach so the rest of the world i'll tell you i am your teacher one of your teachers. To my church, I say I'm your pastor. Hmm. So that's that for the day. But confirm your call. Don't jump. This is not an emotional thing. God has made it very clear. Count your cost. Hmm. For the tragedy of Christendom is people who jumped, left, or became lukewarm in the middle. There is one career, there is no quitting. This one career, if you want to call it career, there is no retirement. Mm. Retirement is death. <laughs> there is no retirement. Or, or you go senile. So somebody retires you forcefully. Okay. Other than that, there is no retirement in it. So you will see old men, war horses still going strong, preaching. Zakpun and Ravi Zak and all still preaching. War horses, they haven't gone senile. No, still doing good. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Tomorrow is Sunday. We have, God willing, we have, I mean, if it is to come tonight, and we are all alive tomorrow, we'll have morning service. And uh, I I think we have Hindi service. Pastor Rubin hasn't asked, but I think we have Hindi service. And if you send us more questions, we will have question-answer session in the evening. And if you don't send us questions, enough for our service time, then I'll get Pastor Vijay to preach in the evening. <laughs> But if you want questions and answers, keep sending. We have questions, but we need enough to fit into a service timing. Unless it has come into my email and I haven't seen. Shall we pray? Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 
We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We commit this time into thy hands. You were with us, Lord. We pray our answers were acceptable in thy sight, yes, Lord. Yes. And I pray for all these dear ones, Lord, who ask questions. Their struggles, so many struggling, Father, and I pray, Father, you are our strength. You are our salvation. You are our redeemer. You are our deliverer. I pray, Father, with the power of your right hand, you would lift them out of that pit and put their feet on that rock, Lord. Let the world know, Lord, there is power in Christ. The power to live a life before God, not before man. Help us to be shamelessly repentant. Man. No shame about repentance yes, before thee, Lord. Yes. Acknowledging this is who we are. Can't. We need to change every day. And there is forgiveness in Christ Jesus always. And there is redemption. And mm. there is power yes. to change. Yes. I pray we will walk by faith, Lord. Mm. Be with all your children everywhere, Lord. And tomorrow when we come back here, Lord, I pray. Your children too will come back with us. Though we are separated by walls and distances. In the Spirit, we are not separated. It's your Holy Spirit that makes us one, Lord. So we just want to thank you, praise you, worship you, Lord. Be with us. Speak rest into every soul, Lord. Let them experience the rest which Christ Jesus brings. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.